Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. In case you hadn't guessed, you're here today with Kara Williard, and you can check out everything we are doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. This episode of Gear 30 is brought to you by our Blister recommended shops and one shop in particular, the Moment Factory Store in Reno, Nevada. I am joined today by their legendary bootfitter, Fossa, or Jake Nelson. And this episode feels pretty timely given that Crested Butte is currently coated in snow, as are many other mountains around the West. Fossa and I are here to talk to you about bootfitting, of course. But more accurately, we are here to debunk all the major bootfitting myths that we have heard circulating over the years working as bootfitters. So Fossa and I talk through some helpful tips as you break out your boots for the season or go to seek some boot advice in prep of the season. But we also discuss why so many myths and misconceptions are prevalent in this world of bootfitting and how as skiers, we have all shared the one common experience of being pretty uncomfortable in ski boots at one point in our lives or another. Fossa takes each one of these myths on one by one and helps provide some context and clarity. And as with all things boot fitting, we really try and keep in mind how subjective it all can be. But Fossa also really showed up on this one and helped clear up some of these misconceptions once and for all. If you want to hear more from Fossa, please check out the episode we did with him last year around this time. Big Mountain Free Ride Boot Fitting with Fossa right here on Gear 30. That was a great episode and many of you enjoyed it. It is linked in the show notes to this episode. Before we get going, word on the street is Moment is looking for another set of hands on their boot fitting team this winter. So if you have some boot fitting experience and would like to learn from Fossa and get to work at the Moment Factory Store, which looks like a pretty sweet spot to be, you can DM us on Instagram and I will put you in touch. And if you are enjoying these episodes, please take a moment to leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And this one is not a rumor or a myth, unfortunately. If we get 750 reviews on Gear 30 this season, the Blister team will be taking to the hill on snowboards. So that sounds pretty terrifying to me and probably very entertaining for you all. So please, if you like the show, leave us a review. And with that, let's clear up some boot fitting myths so we can all be a bit happier in our ski boots this season. All right, here we go. All right. Well, I am here today with Fossa back again uh, from the Moment Factory store, and I'm excited to kind of launch into some boot fitting topics. Of course, this is always my favorite time of year when we get to start talking boots and kind of aid people in their process as they start pulling the boots out of the closet for the season and thinking about skiing. So Fossa, welcome back to Gear 30. It's great to have you on again. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Yeah, this is going to be a fun topic. Um, I've kind of been brewing this one for a while. So we're going to kind of walk through some boot fitting misconceptions and myths. And I think the reason this topic originally came to me is just because, um, you know, spending over a decade as a boot fitter, I realized that a lot of times when we're talking to customers and trying to get people in the right boot, I feel like a lot of what we're doing is just kind of clearing misconceptions and helping provide some education because there is a lot of myths out there. So, I mean, Fossa, from your perspective, like, where do you think some of these myths come from? Or, um, I don't know, what do you, what do you think is like the issue here as far as why there's so many misconceptions about ski boots? I mean, I think it varies a lot, like person to person or like type of skier to type of skier. But I think, you know, tons of it is just, tons of it is just like 
people, what people heard from their parents when they like their parents learned to ski or their uh-huh. grandparents learned to ski. It's just like, it's just like trickle down. It's like, oh yeah, like ski boots aren't comfortable. They're super, you know, they're going to, it's going to be awful. You just deal with it or, or whatever that is. Right. There's always like little things. Um, I think some of it's that I think that I think a lot of it too, is just frankly, most people, most people learn to ski on rental gear. And so like, they don't know that good gear exists, right? They, they don't have, they don't have the understanding of like how much of a different world it is versus versus what they're used to. And like, you know, they know enough that they're like, okay, it's time for me to get boots. Like I'm sick of the rental boots, but that doesn't necessarily mean they know like what a, a better boot feels like or what like good skis feel like. Um, and so sometimes it's like, you kind of have to like explain like, uh, a, like how it's better, but also like, you know, there's also the misconception that people presume that when they move from rental gear or get on like re- what people always say is like real gear mm-hmm. that like, maybe that's not appropriate until you're like really good. And it's like, no, it makes it easier for, for everyone. Like I literally had the same conversation with my mom last year. Yeah. Um, I'd be like, no, like new boots, new skis, like it will be much easier than your old stuff from 20 years ago. <laughs> Yeah. And I think that's a really interesting point. And one that seems to be true as far as being a skier, the one like shared experience we all have is that we've probably had a terrible experience in ski boots. And a lot of that is probably when we're starting out and, um, you know, don't really know what to expect from a good boot. Um, a lot of it is rental gear just because that is like not setting anyone up for success really. And, um, I think, yeah, the more I've kind of thought about this, the obvious thing is that everyone can benefit from a well fit ski boot. And so today we're going to kind of talk through some of these myths and try and clear them up, um, just provide some insight as to why maybe um, these myths are out there, but also like moving forward, how we can kind of start to reframe like some of these myths and people can maybe think a bit differently about um, some of these. Yeah, just sort of rumors we've heard about ski boots throughout the years. Cool. Cool. Let's get into it. Um, So I think one of the myths that I've heard a lot is that in order to have like a snug fitting ski boot or a properly fit ski boot, there's guaranteed going to be some level of discomfort um, or your foot's going to go numb or it's just like you're kind of definitely going to be giving up what we're kind of considering comfort in the name of a properly fit ski boot. Um, And I think the big thing here is maybe we kind of want to like redefine what comfort looks like in a ski boot. It's not going to be like a slipper or like your house shoe or maybe like any other footwear that you really have, but there can be both a properly fit, snug fitting ski boot that is also comfortable. So maybe how do you kind of see that? Yeah, I think, I think that's exactly the right approach. Like a lot of people are like, oh, it's not going to be comfortable. Um, and it's like, yeah, it's not going to feel, it's not gonna feel like a slipper or your Ugg boots or like whatever it is you're wearing your house shoes. Um, but like, can it be as comfortable as you know, like a well-fit running shoe or like a cycling shoe. Totally. Like it can, it can definitely be that. So I think, you know, a lot of times when customers come through, like the first thing is just get on the same page for expectations, right? Um, let them know, like, you know, this thing's not going to be a slipper, but that does not mean you're going to be screaming every time you're in this boot. Um, you know, it shouldn't be like inconvenient. So just making sure that people have, you know, realistic expectations. And then also I think just being like super clear with people about, you know, like, okay, we're going to put this boot on. I expect you to feel your toes on the front. Here's why. Like we're going to make more space later. Letting people know uh, that what they're trying on out of the box is not how the boot's going to feel the first time they put it on the snow is also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good points. 
And I think the opposite or the flip side to this is this idea that like in order to be comfortable in a boot, it needs to be like roomy. So or spacious. So even like someone who's a beginner or more recreational skier is like, oh, I don't need a snug fitting boot. Um, you know, it's okay if my boot's a little bit roomier. Um, maybe, you know, that they kind of equate that with comfort. But I feel like we run into so many issues um, when we kind of find people in that situation because a lot of times, uh, you know, once you're in that comfortable roomy boot out on the slope, it's like going to translate to maybe just the feeling of, um, being kind of scared on your skis because you don't necessarily have the control that you need. And then maybe to then deal with that, you're doing things like over buckling and kind of causing problems from the boot that you wouldn't necessarily um, be doing if the boot was just more snug to begin with. Yeah. Like being comfortable, being comfortable holding still means you have some room to like spread out. But if you're moving, you know, if you're skiing, Mm -hmm. being comfortable is not having tons of room because otherwise you're moving in the boot and if you're moving in the boot then you're getting you're putting a lot of force on your feet or legs in different ways be that like strain on your knees or banging your toes or like you know your heels lifting so you're like tense the whole time trying to keep it down or like you're saying like you're over buckling and stuff so kind of letting people know that like you know sitting still on a store and having something be comfortable is not the same thing that you want or that will feel comfortable if you're like you know you're moving I usually just tell people that's like the same with their shoes. I'm like, look, you wear slippers at home, but like you can't run in those. Mm-hmm. Like you need something that hugs your foot and like gives you support where you need it, but like isn't going to move around on you. Otherwise you're going to twist your ankle. Like you don't want to run in shoes that are too big. So, you know, don't ski in boots that are too big. And people usually get that pretty fast. I think when you kind of like frame it that way. Yeah, definitely. And it's good to kind of put that in perspective as far as what people might be experiencing in store versus when they actually take the boot out on the hill. Mm -hmm. Um, give them something to think about as far as what that experience might look like. Um, So then to kind of correlate with this, I think a lot of people think that having a snug fitting or properly fit ski boot is inherently going to be colder or there's going to be like some loss of circulation. And um, I feel like there's, I mean, there's some myths as far as ski boots being cold. And then there's just certain things that can attribute to maybe someone being more prone to being cold in a ski boot. How do you kind of think of this as far as, yeah, circulation, people being cold in boots and maybe how getting a proper fit can actually help address some of those issues? Yeah. So like kind of talk to people about how like in a shoe in a hiking boot, you know, if you are in a hiking boot or a running shoe or whatever, and you are cold, you wear thicker socks and they insulate you better. And when you wear thicker socks, they insulate because there's more material there and it traps air against your skin. And when you get too warm and your foot starts to sweat, the sock lets that moisture out and it goes through the mesh or the whatever leather textile, whatever's on the shoe or the boot lets it out. But when you're in a ski boot, you're in a plastic shell. And so like that moisture can't go anywhere. And so if you wear a thicker sock to try and stay warmer, that's fine when you're sitting still. But as soon as you start to sweat and you've got water in there or uh, you know moisture in there, yeah, it can't go anywhere. And as soon as that happens, then you're, you're going to get cold really fast. Um, so I think like kind of explaining that to people, explaining to people that the thing that will keep your foot the warmest is blood flow and blood flow happens when you've got room for the blood to get down into your foot. You need good circulation. If your boots are too big and you're moving around in them and you buckle stuff too tight to compensate, you're going to cut the circulation off. That's going to cause more problems. 
And if you're not moving the boot properly, if you're not, uh, you know, flexing the boot or like being dynamic with your skiing, like if you just, you know, lock your knees and ski totally rigid the whole time, yeah, your feet are going to be frozen because you're not pumping blood down into the, and down into your, into your feet. So kind of explaining to people that it's this combination of like, you need something that fits right. If it fits right, then, uh, you don't have to overbuckle. If you don't have to overbuckle, you can get better blood flow. If it fits right and you're not overbuckling, you can move it. That's going to pump more blood in there. And if we're doing all those things correctly, A, we shouldn't have room for a big sock. And B, uh, a thinner sock is going to be better because it's just going to help remove the moisture and not hold the moisture against your skin. We're going to do that more quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Those are all great points. And um, it might tie into some of what we talk about further down the line when we go into sort of biomechanics and maybe what it means to actually be um, standing in a proper stance within a ski boot and maybe all the different factors that attribute to that. Um, but all the points you said are fair. And then I also think it's, you know, totally reasonable to uh, just put out there that some people do just have pretty cold extremities, uh, cold feet, and that they might need something um, to help aid them as far as like heated socks and all these other tools that we have out there in the world um, to, you know, make the boot a warmer, more comfortable environment so that your foot um, doesn't have to be like the main heat source within the boot. It can actually be like a thermic or hot tronic um, heating source like installed on the insole or just a heated sock. And like, that's kind of, you know, what I've had to recognize for myself, even um, like just sitting here right now, I can tell that my feet are a little bit colder than the rest of my body. And if it's a really cold day skiing, I could, you know, I do have a pretty perfectly fit ski boot. I'm very happy with the way my ski boots fit. Um, but I still need a bit of help in that department. So there is tools for this, thankfully. Yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, like it's a winter sport, like <laughs> yeah, it's going to be cold. Like we layer everywhere else. Right. So it's like, yeah, you can do a lot of things to kind of head it off. But like, like I had a lady in here this last season um, and she was, she was like in her sixties, like early sixties. And she came in and wanted new boots and she was very clear that she wanted uh, she wanted intuition liners. She was very clear that she was going to be wearing a very, a pretty thick heated sock and then also wanted Hotronics installed. And I was kind of like, whoa, like that's a lot of heat. And it was like, okay, like, you know, she's in her sixties. Like, you know, she's still from the sound of things like skiing and, and, and crushing um, and was very upfront, like before we even began the boot fit, right? She's like, I have all these things. This is what I want. And I was kind of trying to pick her brain. I was like, you know, we're in we're in Tahoe. Like it's not very cold here. Um, and she was like, no, we have this, you know, we have this, uh, vacation home up in Montana. Um, and then she was like explaining how they don't really stop skiing until it's like negative 10, negative 12. And it was like, okay. Yeah. Like, you know, realistic expectations. She's like, uh, you know, she's, she's older and she's not skiing super hard anymore. So she needs all the heat. And I was, I was asking her about everything else she uses, you know, like heated gloves, heated vest, heated jacket, all the stuff. Uh, but the, it was kind of cute. She was like, I don't use heated uh, pants. And I said, what? Like, do you not get, your legs not get cold or why don't you do that? And she said, oh, I just think it's, I think it's good to remind myself that I'm mortal and we can still get really cold. It's not all just push a button, stay warm. And I was kind of dying. I was like, that's kind of, it's kind of amazing. Yeah. Cool. But yeah, yeah just she, like she know what you're what getting needs. into. <laughs> totally. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So that's just another consideration is maybe you have the best fitting ski boot in the world. There's no loss of circulation. You know, everything's working as far as your ability to flex that boot and be in a proper ski stance and you still might need a little something extra. 
and that's okay. Um, so now we can kind of get into, I guess, some of these maybe like more biomechanical myths or things that people might not think as much about um, as far as the full picture. And I think these ones are a little bit easier to, uh, yeah, just kind of have myths and misconceptions about because there's so many factors that go into it. And this is where the boot fitters come in. You know, we can help kind of put these different variables in an equation and kind of figure out what's right for each individual person because it is subjective and totally depends on, you know, each individual. But I know one I used to hear a lot is people think that if they can't get forward in a ski boot or like they can't get into a proper ski stance, kind of driving their shins into the tongue of the boot um, and staying there comfortably, that they actually think they need more forward lean in the boot. And I think that's one that, uh, you know, it, it makes sense, right? Like you can't get forward. So you should just shove that person forward, like put a big spoiler behind their calf and then they'll be in a much better place to be forward in the ski boot. But I think there's just a lot of... Uh, a lot more that goes into that. So kind of how do you want to approach that, Fossa, knowing that, um, yeah, putting someone more forward isn't necessarily going to help them actually be forward. It could potentially even do the opposite. This just makes me think of like the, the constant conflict that is people coming into the boot shop and saying, my ski instructor, blank, blank, blank. <laughs> um, and it's yeah. like never something with fit. It's just always something with, I can't get in the right ski stance. I can't get forward or whatever, whatever. Yep. Um, yeah, so like kind of like a lot of times you'll have people come in and they're like, I can't get forward enough. I need a softer boot. I need you to soften my boot or I need more forward lean. I typically see this with women a lot more than men. Um, I'm not really sure exactly why that is the case. And there's kind of two solutions, right? Like, well, like you can just put a spoiler in there. Typically for women, that is really making the problem worse. Because ski boots are, for the most part, built around men's legs, um, or at least they are built around a men's foot and then have like a slightly different cuff uh, in the women's model. So most of the time, you kind of have more calf pressure than you want to begin with. And you go throwing a big spoiler in there and like, that's probably going to make everything worse. And like, will it put them in the better position? Sure, for like a run. And then they'll be like, quads and calves will be you know, totally shelled and then they're going to hang out in the backseat and it's going to just hurt worse. So the like other solution is, I mean, the other solution is like quick solution, I guess, is like you can always put heel lifts in there. And I'm always like pretty clear with the heel lifts. I'm like, look, I'm going to put this in. This is going to lift your heel. Lifting your heel is going to allow you to get a little more leverage over the boot cuff. It's also going to lift your calf out of the boot a little bit. You'll have less pressure there. So you'll be able to relax when you're not skiing uh, and stand a little more upright and you'll be able to like especially for people that are kind of beginning to ski, which is where I feel like I see this the most, um, you know, that allows you to kind of like have a little bit more stamina. Like you can stay working with your instructor longer, but I'm also like pretty clear that that's not a permanent fix. I'm kind of like, use this until you are more comfortable and then try pulling them out. Cause ultimately like if you start, you start changing angles in that whole system and everything kind of gets weird. Uh, you have effects, uh, elsewhere. And if you lift someone's heel, it's like, yep, might be easier for them to get in the front seat. But then all of a sudden, it's harder to throw the ski sideways. It's harder to pivot. It might be harder for them to stop. Harder for them to do upper body, lower body separation. There's kind of like a lot of stuff that you can start to make harder if you're not careful. A lot of the time too, I always, I always hear like the, I don't know if you get this one, but I always hear the 
people come in and say, oh, my instructor says my boots are too stiff. And a lot of times what will happen is like, if someone's cuff isn't buckled very tight, then when they flex into the cuff, instead of the cuff moving with their shin or moving with their tip fib, they are like pushing against the top of it. And they usually, this is usually the person that's complaining of shin bang too. They're like, my boots are way too stiff. Or my instructor says the boots are too stiff. I'm getting really bad shin bang. And sometimes it's like, if you buckle the cuff tighter, it'll move with you instead of you banging against it. And sometimes it's like, oh, well, I can't get forward enough. And then you find out, oh, they can't get forward enough because they have shin bang. So it's kind of like always like, there's always like a little bit more that goes into it. Um, but nine times out of 10, it's because, I mean, classic, it's like nine times out of 10, the boot's just too big, right? And it's too big. So they're getting shin bang, they're banging into the cuff or feels too stiff because they like can't flex the cuff with them or they feel too far forward because it's too big and they're cranking everything down. Then they have like super forward lean. So usually, I mean, hate to always tell people like get a new boot, but a lot of times that is the problem, especially if they're renting. It's like, go get a smaller size. Might be way easier for you. Also, like we'll definitely raise people in boots a lot when they're like beginning, right? It's just like, let's just put some shims underneath everything, lift you up a little higher, going to hit a little bit different place on your shin. You have a little more leverage, get over stuff a little more. But again, kind of being clear with people like you're learning or you're getting used to this, uh, especially when the instructor sends them in. Like this is something we should change later. Ultimately, the solution is a different boot when you're ready. Yeah, all interesting points. And I think uh, one I would just maybe, well, one that is important to draw out a bit is there is certain, um, you know, anatomical like bony blockages maybe affecting someone's ankle dorsiflexion. And that could be an instance where, you know, no matter... um, what boot maybe forward lean is playing a pretty big part there but no matter what boot they might have a really hard time just bending their ankle enough to like match the angle of the boot in which case like that's when sort of modifications like you mentioned with the heel lift um trying to adjust the ramp angle in the boot maybe putting them in a more upright boot with less forward lean all of those things can help so that their the angle of their ankle joint is better matched to the angle of that ski boot and then the better that match is the more available flexibility they still have remaining in their ankle joint to kind of get them in that forward position. But like if someone's really rigid in their ankle dorsiflexion and you shove a a forward lean shin behind their calf, all you've really done is like effectively lock out that ankle prematurely because now you're forcing them into a, you know, even more aggressive angle that isn't really naturally available to them. Um, So that's like where angles kind of come in to the whole boot fitting equation. And that's why, you know, as boot fitters, we are considering like, um, you know, what is this person's ankle dorsiflexion? Is this just like a sort of stretching and tightness issue? Or is this like an actual bony blockage that maybe no matter what someone does, they're never going to have that ankle flexibility available to them. And all of these are things that should be kind of factored in. But, you know, if you feel like you can't get forward, the answer isn't going to be to like, necessarily shove yourself more forward with a shim or anything like that there's there's a larger sort of picture we have to paint as far as what's going on with the ankle joint what's going on with the boot are you in the right boot um is it the right size are you over buckling and then knowing that like how you buckle a boot is you know affecting that angle of the boot and how the whole boot is kind of flexing with your leg and things like that so uh yeah it's not necessarily like a simple equation but it's not as simple as just like shoving someone forward and thinking that that's going to get them out of the backseat. As you mentioned, 
sometimes that actually like makes it even worse. And, um, you know, being, if you feel like you're in the backseat, uh, there's probably reasons why and being in a booth that's more forward or putting a shim behind your calf isn't necessarily going to resolve the issue. Yeah. Buckling, I think is a, Buckling is a really good one to mention too, just because like that can it can change a boot so much. I don't like think a lot of people like realize how much of a difference. Like it's not just how tight; it's like what order did you tighten everything in, and how were you standing or sitting when you buckled? Um, like a lot of times, people come in for an adjustment. It's like, are you putting your boots on this way? No, let me put them on you this way. Oh, everything's better. Good, go try that. Right? Um, there's some of that, and then I think. Um, you also just kind of have to understand like just there's always like a little bit of disconnect right like someone comes in i'm too far i need to be farther forward and yes there's a lot of stuff you can do to change that but like what actually like maybe occurring is like you know they get into their what they think is a is a ski stance and they're just like dropping their butt really low right they're like oh i'm getting low and it's like well you're not driving your knees though like you're squatting i see that happen a lot but just because like the way you squat with weights is different than when you, the way you squat on skis right so like you'll have people that are like quite fit and then their ski stance is inherently like pretty backseat so sometimes it's sometimes it's just like show me how you stand in your ski boot first and then be like okay this isn't actually like a forward this isn't like a forward lean problem at all this is just like a positioning this is just like i need you to think about this differently we had a we had a it was actually like an uh an airy I think it was an area two instructor like forever ago that was uh i was doing like a research and they're like you know helping someone learn how to skin and uh she was always she just always says like uh push with the bush was how she how she phrased it like get your hips forward um i tell that to customers like all the time because people do that right they're like i'm not forward enough i'm not forward enough and it's like no you're just like getting lower you're not getting farther forward like push your hips forward right so sometimes you just got to talk to the talk to the customer and, and, uh, and do that before you start playing with ankle angles and stuff. Cause like you're saying, if you just like max out an ankle or, you know, start changing that stuff, it's like, if you have a problem with movement, it's usually somewhere down below, like it down the chain, right? It's like you change something lower and then the problem shows up higher. It's like, Oh, you max someone's, someone's ankle, ankle mobility is maxed out. They don't have a lot of dorsal flexion. You put them too far forward. They're not going to come in and tell you that they're going to come in and be like, my quads burn when I ski, I can't ski very long. Right. So it's like, you kind of got to like chase it down yep. towards the ground, so to speak. Absolutely. And it's not a slam either on ski instructors. Uh, you know, they're seeing like one part of this equation. And then as boot fitters, we're kind of looking at it through different angles as far oh, as yeah. knowing what we know about, you know, biomechanics and anatomy and ski boots and how these things all come together. Um, so I know that there's certain things happening on the hill that are hard to like then translate to what's happening like on the boot bench and what we're seeing with well, someone's foot or or whatever else you're playing telephone too like the instructor's telling this person something and this person is coming in and then trying to convey that to you and you're trying to figure out what the instructor was saying it's like there's yeah. a lot to be lost and like misconstrued <laughs> absolutely uh yeah and that's one thing I'll just point out too is um like I know right now like I'm working on my ankle dorsiflexion because that's a really tight part of my body and like you know, I've been like actively trying to work on that going into the ski season because I know it benefits my skiing. Um, so there is like things that people can do to kind of help with some of this. Um, and that like the biggest part of all of this is that a lot of times people aren't used to like bending their ankle or flexing their ankle in the way that we are required to in ski boots. So it's like easy to like 
hinge at the hips or hinge at the knees, but like, are we able to flex the ankle? And the ankle is kind of like the central p- p- part of what we're doing as boot fitters is like thinking about the ankle joint. Cause that's kind of, uh, I mean, yeah, it's sort of like, yeah, it affects, it affects a lot. That's like the, the most important thing with ski boots. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people don't really think about how it moves because they're like, oh, they're like, you know, it's people just like assumptions like, oh, it's like not a ball joint. It's like, well, it's not like a shoulder, but like it moves a lot and it moves in a lot of different directions, which is where it gets, gets mm-hmm. complicated. Um, I always tell people to use, if you ever heard of a, a MOBA board, it's like the best like preseason oh. thing to like loosen ankles up. There you go. Some tips. Um, okay. Well, that's an interesting one. And so I think now we'll go into a sort of coinciding myth, which has more to do with like, we kind of talked, touched on stiffness and maybe how it's playing a part into um, being able to get forward. But another myth is this idea that like, oh, I can't get forward in my ski boots. They must be too stiff for me. Um, And so, you know, we kind of touched on certain elements of this, but how do you sort of dissect that myth or what, what are you thinking about as far as the uh, correlation between being forward and also flex of a ski boot? Yeah. I think a lot of that is usually just sizing again. People are in a big, a shell size that's too big and the boot is going to feel too stiff because they're going to kind of impact the, the cuff with their shit. I was like, I was like, I put one hand around my forearm and I'm like, look, if you, if this is tight, I could move this. But if it's not, I'm banging against it. Um, it's not going to move nearly as much. You don't get as much leverage. Um, so I think that's, that's pretty common. It's like, well, your boot's not actually too stiff. It's just that it's too big. Um, or it's not buckled enough, right? It might be the right size and just not buckled enough. And I think that kind of goes along with, um, oh, well, like I don't need a stiff boot. I'm, I'm not advanced. I'm not expert, right? Um, it's like you need a boot that works for you. That means not too stiff, not too soft. That's going to be totally different for every person. There's so much that goes in there. Um, yeah, which we've kind of gotten into the weeds on before, but like just different, different like proportions, um, in anatomy versus like different calf circumference different Mm -hmm. strength level like there's so much so like you know i always tell people like don't get hung up on the number um i always tell people a lot if i put a boot on you and it's too stiff i'll tell you and if it's too soft i'll tell you but um you'd want some movement and not too much and that's uh you need to be able to move it so yeah it's that can be a little tricky but i think just like getting rid of the misconception out the gate that like your stuff's not necessarily too stiff. It might just not be the right boot for you, the right size for you, or you're just not putting it on right. Kind of get into that first. Or there's something going on. Maybe it is the right boot for you, but there's something going on as far as like the geometry of that boot or your overall stance within the boot that needs to be addressed so that you can like better. Um, yeah. Just be in a more natural stance for your body, whatever that may look like. And yeah, I mean, you kind of touched on it. I know I've, talked through you know a lot of blister members and just people that i've boot fit throughout the years um all the different factors that go into determining which boot flex is right for you um i guess the premise to that is like keeping in mind that the number isn't something that can be actually like measured or quantified it's just like where the given boot falls within a boot brand's line so like a 130 is obviously not the same 130 across the board it's just a number that helps denote like, is this the stiffest boot that this brand makes um, in relation to the other boots that they make? And so not getting hung up on the number for that reason is 
a good one. And then knowing that there are, yeah, so many variables that go into determining the right boot flex, such as um, you just mentioned, I mean, yeah, like, you know, tib fib ratios, uh, you know, height, weight, athletic ability, um, how stiff or flexible your ankle joint is could be a factor the yeah type of skier you are i mean it the list just goes on and so um there is a lot of variables there and it should be like pretty apparent to your boot fitter when you're in the shop like whether or not you're able to flex that boot um like you just mentioned like we're watching people flex their boots given you know the caveat is that we're maybe in a warm room versus like out on the hill but um it should be fairly obvious if you're like in a pretty natural ski stance versus like something's going on here and we need to address it. And definitely like some people are in a boot that's too stiff, right? Like that also happens yep, too. It does happen. Um, there's a lot of times where like, you'll have like, you'll have someone in a boot and the fit is perfect. Everything is perfect. Like there's, there's no extra space. Everything's exactly where you want to be. Foot position's perfect, all that. And you oftentimes see it. That's the case that either, either they get super bad shin bang or they have numb feet. And it's just because it's like, you're not moving, you're not pumping blood down there or like you're not moving, you're functionally skiing with a rigid angle. So like, you're just going to bang on the boot the whole time. Like if you can't move the boot unless it's under impact, then yeah, like you're going to get some bad shit bang. Yeah. Um, and in the case of a boot that's too stiff, like you're not able to line your ankle joint up to the angle of that boot. Um, so that, you know, once you kind of fall into that position, like you're lined up, you're aligned to the ski boot and the position that that ski boot was built to. But like, if you can't get there, it's going to cause discomfort. So, you know, the, like you said, the fit could be right, but if the boot's too stiff, um, yeah, there could be some problems. Well, I think that's a really good point is like the boot is designed to be loaded, right? Like you are not in the correct position in the boot until you are loaded. And like, if you're in a stiff boot, and like you're a pretty serious skier that means that it is frankly pretty hard for you to get into that position in the store like you don't have enough leverage on there without the ski like yeah the boot's softer it's warmer but you don't have that big ski attached um to your uh to your leg and so like that's where like and that that's kind of like why boot fitting gets so complicated and that's why there's like so much going on and not just like taking measurements and being like Oh, which boot like won't hurt. You can have a boot that fits perfectly from a, this doesn't hurt me standpoint or is not too big, is not too small. But if the boot doesn't move the way that you move, or if you can't get into the position and move the boot enough to be lined up to where that boot is designed to be skied, then kind of everything else kind of goes out the window or has to take a back seat because that means that it's not for you, even if everything feels perfect. Yep. So then I guess this is like another sort of correlating myth and one that I feel like I've heard a lot and it goes into, you know, all the different factors that we just discussed as far as maybe what determines the right boot stiffness for you. But a lot of people think that they don't need a stiff boot because they're not a super aggressive skier. Um, Or maybe they just don't think like, yeah, they're, they have assumed that, oh, I'm just going to buy like a price point boot. Um, You know, I ski a couple of days a year. I'm not very good. Um, and so, I mean, we just kind of outlined, you know, why there might be more to it than like, oh, how good of a skier you are. It might be that you have something, um, with your biomechanics that requires like more support from a stiffer boot. It could be, um, that you're just super athletic, like super strong and you need the, that support, even if you're not an aggressive skier. 
Um, but how do you feel like, I mean, why do people like shortchange themselves when it comes to boot stiffness if they feel like they're not a good skier? I mean, I think a lot of it's just price point. Um, it's cheaper. Like people that are not as good at skiing will typically want to spend less money. Typically. Some of that I think is just reflected in, unfortunately, like a lot of shops, right? Like a lot of shops. It's like, if you talk to the shop owner, it's like, well, a huge portion of the business is the people that ski 20 days a year or less, or like haven't skied in 20 years and are looking to get back into it. Right. Um, and that's unfortunate. Um, it's good. Like people, we love, we love that more people are skiing. We love that people are getting into skiing. Um, but it also means that like when a lot of people that are more serious skiers go in, uh, there's a smaller selection of equipment for those people. And so I think a lot of it's the price point kind of question that comes in with that. I think a lot of it is also just, it's just the kind of assumption where it's like, oh, when I go ski, I know that I'm nowhere near the top bracket of like people I see on the hill. And thereby, I am not going to look at the top shelf, second highest or third highest shelf. And I'm going to get whatever's down lower. And, you know, like people always like to say, like, I want the entry level boot or I want the intermediate boot. And that's like, I think that's partially just like a customer education thing is it's like the best boot for you is the best boot for you. It is not, that does not necessarily fall into any category. You know, there can be someone who is a beginner beginner skier or intermediate skier and like they might need a 130 low volume boot uh depending on you know their shape and size and ability and everything like that uh, and there might be someone who has been skiing their entire life and is comfortable everywhere and is an exceptional skier and they might belong in a 110 flex high volume boot um you know it just like there's so much that goes into it and i think the i think most of that like misconception kind of comes from people like kind of selling themselves short, frankly, like, because they're overwhelmed, they're like, Oh, there's so much going on with skiing. I don't really know that much. I don't really ski that much. So therefore I like probably don't need all this stuff or it's the, uh, price point thing. Like they walk into a shop and like, they, they don't want to be sold the booth that's close to the top of the shelf and be like, well, I'm not very good. Like why are there's all these cheaper options? Um, so that's kind of like a customer education thing. It's like, be upfront about the expectations. Like there's a lot of boots on this wall. There's not a lot of boots on this wall that will work for you. We're yep. trying, we're here to figure out which ones that could be way up here. That could be way down here. We'll see what happens. Certainly. And if like you're walking into a shop and someone, you know, the boot fitter or the fitter is just asking you, uh, what type of skier you are. And then, you know, pointing you in the direction of like, Oh, you need this, like an 80 flex boot or whatever. Cause you only, you know, that's also maybe a red flag. It's like, uh, the, the boot fitter shouldn't be equating like your ability level necessarily like with a number or like flex range that you should belong in. There's more to it than that. Um, and yeah, to like also, you know, get people thinking about like maybe it doesn't need to be like categories of boots. Like the 130 is for expert skiers. It's like it's a little bit more gray than that. Um, unfortunately, it's not that clear. And I think I mean, another thing is just that a lot of people, uh, you know, don't because maybe they don't ski that much don't maybe see the value in like why they would invest in a boot that's going to be better for them as they progress like it's easy to be like oh i'll just get this boot it'll do the job for now but you know you want to think long term about these things too knowing that if you do get a properly fit ski boot that's right for you you're going to progress as a skier and you know you don't want to kind of like look short term at a boot for 
you know, maybe it'll work well for one or two seasons and then you've now outgrown that boot and effectively need to upgrade it. So sometimes it is about thinking a bit bigger picture than that. Like, okay, I'll invest more now and it'll last longer. And now I don't have to buy two boots because this one didn't really do its job for very long. Yeah. It's kind of like skis or boots or anything. It's like buy equipment that is halfway where you want to be and where you are now. Right. So you can can accommodate you now, but you're not going to like totally, uh, totally outgrow it. Um, and then also like one of the questions I love when boot fitters ask is like, how many days a year are you skiing? Um, I think that one's really important. Um, and then my other favorite one is do you ski comfortably off trail at speed when conditions are poor? Um, that is a very qualifying question, but those two questions really change a lot about kind of how you approach your fit, right? Because like, you're not going to put someone in a super low volume, you know, performance fit, no matter how good of a skier they are, if they ski five days a year, because it's going to take them three seasons to break that boot in, at least, right? Nor are you going to put someone who is not a good skier in a super stiff, super low volume boot if they are super strong, super athletic and have a tiny little narrow foot. Um, so I think that's also like also important. It's like all, all, all considerations of shape and anatomy aside, like what's the use case? Like how are you going to use it? What do you like? What do you not like? Let's just like kind of have a conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, related to this is just this notion. And another myth is that people, you know, who um, don't see themselves as like a great skier or they just are like, you know, beginner, recreational, whatever it may be. They just can't justify spending money on a custom fit pair of ski boots. And then maybe to go along with that, they're like, oh, I don't need the custom insole. Like I, I'm not a good, ski- I, you know, I just uh, don't really see how I would benefit from like something like that. I don't need the performance or whatever else. Um, so, I mean, to be fair, like to these people, uh, what's your case as far as why they should be investing not only in a properly fit pair of ski boots, but also going for the custom insole in most cases? Um, I mean, I'm pretty straight up with people and I think it carries a little bit more weight um, at our store specifically, just because like we are a ski manufacturer. When I tell people like your boots are more important than your skis, I think that 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 helps for sure. I'm like, don't buy skis, buy boots first. (laughs) Um, But I think it's usually pretty easy to have that conversation. But like, look, like I was telling you, like you date skis, you marry boots. Like you can have the best snow in the world. You can have the best skis in the world. If your feet hurt and you can't control your skis, it does not matter. Um, Like, do you need a, do you need a custom fit pair of boots? Like you need to be able to control your skis and you need to be comfortable and confident while you do it, or you're going to end up hurt or cold or miserable and in the lodge. Like, um, so it's like, it's, I think it's pretty easy to kind of, convey that that that's like it's like look like this 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 whole sport that we're doing this all of this only works if like you have boots that fit i think that that's relatively easy um to convey uh, to people and just like like you can kind of do without a lot of things but if the boots aren't right the boots aren't right um as far as the insole goes um this is maybe like a little bit controversial like because everyone's gonna say like get a custom in- insole every time um this is just kind of maybe like, like I said, a little controversial, I guess, but like, is it a custom insole 
the best. Like, yes, the custom insole is the best for everyone. There is nothing better than a custom orthotic um, that is not only built to the foot, but built to the boot, right? There is no substitute. Nothing comes close to that. That said, for someone that like doesn't ski super aggressively and like only skis five to 10 days a year tops and they're like not really leaving the groomer, you could probably get away with a trim to fit as long as the trim to fit is like work with a boother, find which one works. Don't just like, like if you like go into a shop and someone grabs a trim to fit off the wall and they put one trim to fit under your foot or they don't put it under your foot. They're just like, what's your shoe size or what's your boot size? And then they just like cut it down and put it boot. Like, no, don't do that. But if you like go in and they're going to like try a few different ones on you and explain what they're looking for and check a couple things and then still like trim and hopefully sand, uh, sand it down to fit. Like that's totally fine. I actually do that quite a bit. Like, Oftentimes, I will be like, look, this is everything. The performance level you're at, like, you don't necessarily need this orthotic. Like, we're not correcting anything. Everything looks reasonable here. Just a little bit of arch support is all we need. I'm going to sell you this trim to fit. It's 50 bucks. Go ski. If everything's great, awesome. If it's not, come back and I will build you an insole and I'll give you this 50 bucks towards your $350 pair of custom orthotics. Um, you know, and pretty clear, like, explain why those are better, what, what, what advantages they uh you know they give to people um and kind of just like walk them through that and like most of the time people want the custom um and then there's other people where like they have to have it right uh like there's athletes or there's people that need something corrective or there's people that have something they've struggled with in boots in a long time or whatever and then it's like we're just doing a custom for you like a lot of times that's like i'm not even going to try and fit your boots unless you'll let me build an orthotic like that's part of the deal uh, because it's not going to work for you otherwise. Um, I mean, it's case by case, but like, I'm not going to go out and say like, you have to have a custom every single time. Like there's plenty of people out there that like, is it better? Yeah, it's better. Is it like $300 better for the five days they, a year they ski? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it depends. Maybe not. Yeah. I think that's a totally fair point and really good to remind people that there is like various steps to this. Um, you know, when, a boot fitter is talking to you about an insole. All they're really trying to do is kind of relay how having a more neutral, stable foot inside a boot is probably going to contribute to like, uh, you know, throughout the day, a more relaxed foot, less fatigue, maybe less movement because we know that movement inside a ski boot is bad. And so if you can kind of help, you know, just do like a nice uh, deep heel cup on a trim to fit with a little bit of arch support, like those two things are going to do wonders compared to just like the flat stock insole that is not really intended to do anything other than uh, be a template for a trim to fit or custom insole. Um, So really good to remind people that there is options there and depending on what type of skier you are and just kind of what you're looking to do, um, you know, maybe you can get away with a trim to fit and always knowing that, yeah, like you said, the custom insole will be the best um, in almost every situation. But that can be a process too. Like maybe you're buying the boot this year and then upgrading to the custom insole the next year. And um, that's all super fine and reasonable. And it just knowing that you do have options out there is good. Yeah. I'm always like pretty quick to caution though. Like with the trim to fit stuff, I'm like, don't use anything that has a plastic tray in the bottom. Um, I always like see that a lot. I'm like, this is fine until the phone breaks down. Then you're standing on this board. Um, like that's not, that's not going to work. Um, I think another misconception, I guess that's footbed related that I see a lot 
and maybe like not a misconception of like an annoyance that people have is that people get pretty upset when they have boots that they've had for however long and they have an issue with them and they're, you know, usually they've invested time and money in these and they go to get something fixed at a different boot fitter than sold them the, that sold, then sold them the boot. And they get a little bit upset when the first thing that that new boot fitter wants to do is like put a different insole in there. They want to build them a new orthotic. Um, and like, I totally get that. Like that's frustrating as a customer because you're like, I just paid whatever, two, $300 for this, for this insole. And then I need a punch and I need something else. And then I go, I go in thinking like, oh, I just need my, you know, I need my fifth, my uh, fifth met my styloid punch or whatever. Yeah. And then someone's and telling you, you the need boot fitter's a, like, no, you yeah. need a new orthotic. I think just like understand that the, I mean, it's just like I do the same thing. Like yesterday, I sent a guy, I actually sent a guy back to the boot fitter he got the insole from. I was like, look, I can sell you one, but like you ski this thing four times. It's not right. Go back and get it fixed. Um, but it's like, as a boot fitter, like I'm not going to want to do the work. I'm not going to want to do shell work on your shell if your foot is not stabilized. In the like, if you can move in there, then like I'm not going to punch it because if I punch it, like it might be in the right spot now, but then like you get halfway into your turn and like it's not going to be in the right spot. Like your foot's moving, right? So like when a boot fitter's like, oh, I want to like make you a new insole, they are trying to. They don't want to like be cleaning up someone else's work and fighting someone else's work. If they're going to like kind of take charge of the problem and address your issues, they want to eliminate all of the unknown variables. And the best way for them to do that is they make you an insult, which lets them put your foot in a position that they dictate. Um, and then from that point forward, do a lot of the shell work. Hopefully, most people will be like, oh, well, like if you get an insult, I will, I'll do the punch for you. Pay $200, $300 for this insole. I'll, I'll throw the punch in. Not a big deal. Um, but like, I guess like it's kind of a misconception. It's kind of an annoyance. But like, I guess like just for all the people that like aren't boot fitters out there, like know that that is not someone just like trying to sell you snake oil. Like that is a very, there's a reason why like that happens almost every time. Like you go in and even if something's not wrong with your insole, the fitter just wants to be in control of the variables because they don't want to like try and fix something. And then you come back and then they're like, oh, actually, there's a whole bunch of other stuff going on here. And now I'm two punches into this boot. We've got a bunch of other stuff going on. And now I have to try to upsell you. Or now, now I have to try and sell you an insult and tell you we need to do this, this, and this. Or now I have to tell you you're in the wrong boot. Right. Uh, they want to kind of start from square one. Well, and plus like a fitter that's just like willing to just grab your boot and do a bunch of punches without like thinking about the foundation and the foundation being the insole. I mean, that's, you know, a red flag. Like the Band-Aid solutions would be like, yeah, let's just make a bunch of space wherever you're pointing because you think it hurts because it's too tight or whatever else. But, um, you know, if the boot fitter is seeing something else going on as far as like, oh, your foot's like, you know, splaying out and you need a little bit more various in the insole, then you currently have, and this isn't an insult I built. So I don't feel very good about like trying to adjust, you know, whatever it may be. Um, just really thinking about like the insult as the foundation of the boot. And if you can control that, you are eliminating a lot of other variables. And then maybe you don't have to do all this shell work because you've kind of controlled the most important aspect of that whole boot environment, which is that sort of uh, insole foot interface and just trying to keep that foot mostly in like a neutral position um, so that you're not having to, yeah, make all these other band-aid adjustments. 
Um, yeah, so those are all good points and something to think about, especially like as you go, maybe someone's out there going from one fitter to the next. I mean, we all see things a little bit differently and we all have slightly different philosophies, but knowing that maybe we all think like of insoles with similar regard and that it's more important to like do work on the insole than it is to, you know, change the boot in a bunch of irreversible ways. Um, and I think just to tie into that, I'd also mention that insoles aren't always like, uh, you know, build and go. Like sometimes the insole does need to be adjusted a little bit. Um, an insole, like when you invest in a custom insole, it should feel pretty good, but there can be factors that sometimes like affect how good it feels right away. And I guess the one thing is that having a boot fitter who can sort of, uh, you know, look at certain things like maybe how rigid your arches or just different factors like that and have some adjustment that they can make to the insole as well. Um, I know people like I've seen people who got custom insoles built and they have a really rigid foot. And then the insole that got built for them is also super rigid and it just doesn't feel good. Like there has to be some shock absorption or some sort of like comfort built into that system somewhere. And so, you know, if something doesn't feel right, as you're standing on that custom insole, like that's something that your boot fitter should be willing to work with you on. Um, like sometimes it just means you need to soften the arch material a little bit, or, you know, maybe use a more uh, cushiony material versus a more rigid material, things like that. It's not always like a hundred percent straightforward, I guess. Yeah. I mean like pretty, pretty multifaceted and, you know, kind of on the flip side of that is like, just because the insole is made like, is custom for you like doesn't necessarily mean that it feels perfect in the in the shop like kind of the same point you're making with the boots like it's designed to be in a ski stance right now that's true for a resort boot but like if you're making someone an insole for a touring boots like no you got to be able to stand in that thing too because like you got to live in that thing all the time right so like those are going to be those are going to be different um but also like i think i think there is a misconception of like i paid all this money for this custom insole it doesn't work. It makes my feet hurt. I'm going to a different boot fitter. I mean, it's like kind of the same thing as like getting your haircut, right? Like if you just like never go back, like they don't know what they did wrong. Like, right. Like go back in and be like, Hey, I don't really have a fit issue, but I feel X, Y, Z, right. This is what's going on. Or like my foot's super fatigued or I'm cramping or I'm burning. Like whenever I like sell someone a boot, uh, with insoles, be that custom insoles or like, trim to fits. Um, I always give them the stock insoles and I'm like, the first day you ski, take these with you, put them in the car, go ski. If you have any cramping, burning, or tingling in the arch of your foot, switch them out to the stock ones, go finish your ski day, and then come back in and see me, let me fix it. Now, I'm always pretty upfront. I'm like, that's super rare. It doesn't happen much, but occasionally it will happen. Occasionally we need to make an adjustment to your insole. Um, so like, I think just like, that's kind of like a good way to like, let them know like, Hey, this usually works. This is a process though. Like you might need adjustment. Yeah. Great point. It is an iterative process. And more often than not, it is just great. You know, you get your custom insoles and everything's fine and dandy, but every so often, you know, something might come up just because of, you know, something biomechanical going on or whatever else. And that's when you go back to your boot fitter and you work with them and it is a collaborative process and that boot fitter should be there for you. Right. I guess staying with the custom insole talk, one that I often heard is people uh, you know, think something about their foot, like oftentimes like, oh, I have a flat foot. I don't need custom insoles. Um, and 
While there is a very, very rare occasions where people might not need a custom insole or their foot will not tolerate an insole, like I have seen that instance come up maybe a couple of times. Um, how do you sort of bridge that as far as people, you know, thinking their foot might be a certain way or is flat and doesn't need support versus um, maybe what they really need is just a custom insole that is doing the job for them. Yeah, what I kind of like, I mean, a lot of, I think it's usually like with people that say like, oh, I, I have super flat feet or I always get the like, I have no arch. And it's like, well, you like put three fingers under their arch and you're like, stand up. And you're like, you do have one. It's just really small. It's really low or whatever, right? What I always just typically tell people, I'm like, look, like your feet did not develop to ski. You're not striding. You're not rolling through. Uh, there's no gait. Um, all you're doing is you're standing and you're leaning and you're pushing your weight around in a way that if you're not moving fast with skis on, you aren't supported enough. Like you're using your speed and using the ski to hold you up, right? Um, it's pretty easy to like stand up in front of the customer. Like, look, I can only lean this far. If I have ski boot on and ski on and I'm going fast or a turn, like I can get really far over. But that means I'm putting weight on my feet that it's like literally impossible to do in any other scenario. Um, and so I think it's, it's pretty easy to just be like, look, like we're, your foot needs this to stay supported so that you can do this. Cause otherwise you're fighting your foot the whole time. And the other thing I love to do is I have them sit down and I just pull a tape measure across the Brannock from metatarsal to metatarsal. I'm like, look, this is how wide your foot is. Stand up, take the measure again. Be like, you have this much expansion in your foot. We do it again on the other foot. And I'm like, look, you just had, you know, five mil of expansion with weight versus or with no weight versus your body weight if you go into a corner at 30 miles an hour 40 miles an hour dumping over to the right side as hard as you can turn and you're going through crud and chop while you do it and most of your weights on your right ski you're putting way more than your body weight you're probably putting two three maybe maybe four times your body weight on there like that's a lot of force especially like not to mention the impact like if you're getting five millimeters of expansion out of this foot with just your body weight you're going to get a lot more than that and if your foot's expanding that much, that means that your foot is going to fit in this boot only with only your body weight on it. As soon as we add more, it's not going to fit. And that's where I kind of tell people, I'm like, look, have you ever gone skiing and like your boots feel fine? But then at the end of the day, your foot is super fatigued, like just tired. It's not like anything hurts, just everything's really tired. And like, yeah, and it's like, yeah, because your foot is loading and unloading, loading and unloading. And it's like, all we're trying to do with this insole is prevent your foot from changing shape. So all the work we do of like making this boot fit your foot is going to be true all day and not true until you start turning and then it goes out the window, right? Uh, usually I think that's pretty easy to explain to people, like especially if you pull the tape measure, right? You're like, look, this is how it's going. Yeah, it's a great way to think about it. And something that, I mean, anyone could look at just from like watching their foot, how it looks when they're seated to how it looks when they're standing and trying to kind of account for that difference. That is the job of the custom insole. I mean, there's more that goes into that versus, you know, as far as like how that insole is being built, weighted versus unweighted. And that's a whole nother thing as far as like different boot fitters philosophy. But the main thing being that if we are trying to eliminate movement inside a ski boot, uh, the best way to do that is by stabilizing the foot. And um, I think being able to show people that in real time and then also all give them the perspective of how much more intense that's going to be once they're out on the hill is a great way to think about it. So thanks for that, Fossa. Good one. <laughs> um, okay, so then there's a couple more myths that we'll run through, and they are sort of 
both true, both things that we've heard in real time um, a lot throughout our time as bootfitters, and they're kind of opposite of each other. So maybe the first one is this idea that, um, you know, I'm going to buy this custom fit ski boot. I'm investing in it. I'm going in once. I have a two hour appointment and it's going to be perfect by the time I walk out. Um, so sort of how do you want to approach that as far as people's expectations versus reality? I mean, perfect world. That's the case, right? <laughs> uh, but I think usually like that's just kind of as you're having the conversation, like whenever I'm fitting boots, like I, I pretty much have a conversation for almost 10 minutes before we even grab a boot. Right. We might take some measurements in that time, but like kind of just getting, getting to feel the, the customer, you know, how do you ski? Where do you ski? What do you like? What do you not like? Yeah. Any Robocop parts in the leg, like whatever, like, you know, get them, get them talking a bit. But I think that you kind of like need to make it clear, like, look, like what we're trying to do is we're trying to make your foot fit in this plastic box. And we're trying to allow your foot and allow your ankle to move the plastic box so you can move the skis the right way. And there's a lot of things we're chasing down. And I've been doing this a long time. I do this a lot. I have got a pretty good idea what I'm doing and we're going to do our best here. But there is a lot of things that I can't measure and that we can't see in here. And we don't know what those things are until uh, you get on, you get on the snow and you go ski. So we're going to do everything we can in here to make sure that you're perfect out the door. But if something's not quite right, no, not a problem. Like come back in and we'll get it going. Um, you know, we'll, we'll address it. I pretty clear with people, like, especially as we're starting to wrap the fit up, um, kind of like, look, take your boot out. If anything bothers you in the first three to 10 days, but as soon as you're skiing, you forget about it. You know, it bothers you in the lift line, on the lift, parking lot, bar, whatever. If you forget about it when you're skiing, don't worry about it. Just keep going until you get to like about day 10 or so. Um, if anything distracts you from your skiing while you're skiing downhill, you're thinking about your boots, even if it doesn't hurt, you're thinking about your boots because something bothers you or your day's getting cut short because you have to call it your feet hurt or you got to take your boots off. Come right in. Don't you need a white knuckle wait for stuff to get better. Like come right in. Let me deal with that. Anything short of that try and give it like 10 days. And then if you get to like that 10-ish day mark and there's still stuff that bugs you, you forget about it when you ski, but it really does bother you and you can't dance in your ski boots at the bar. Yeah. You know, come in, we can, <laughs> we can fix it at that point. Um, but definitely like letting people know that a little bit at the start, you know, let them know, Hey, this is process. You know, this isn't, I take measurements. I go grab you one boot. We build the boot. I send you out the door. This is, I'm going to take measurements. We're going to talk. I'm going to put a boot on you that I know is not going to fit. It's going to give me information about where to go next. And then we're going to put on another boot that's better, you know, being upfront about that at the start. And then at the end, just being like, we hope that this is all you need. But if you don't, this is kind of the next steps. This is what we expect. We don't necessarily expect this to be like perfect, perfect first time out. And if someone's got a really problematic, you know, fit has super, you know, ambitious performance goals or whatever, those people, I think it's totally fine to be totally, you know, really straight up with be like, I will see you next week. Go yeah. skill, put this on snow for two days, come back and you let me know if we need to punch that thing or if we just need to like make a little more room somewhere else. Absolutely. And I, you know, it's really realistic. Uh, your boot fitter probably expects to see you like once, maybe twice. Um, there's a lot of caveats there depending on what you're going for, how often you ski, things like that. But as far as those, you know, little adjustments go, that's all part of the process. And like we've spoken to throughout this podcast, it is an iterative process and it's not always going to be like 100% right out the gate. That'd be great if it was. That would make our job super easy. 
Um, so then the flip side to that is this idea that like, oh, you're going to get this custom boot. And then part of that is just anything that's slightly not right. Um, you know, maybe you're coming in several times a day to get several things adjusted. I know like when I worked at a shop at the base of Taos Ski Valley, like it was like that some days as far as like one run back in one run back in, you know, because we're at the base of the mountain and people um, expect a certain thing. But you kind of already spoke to this in the the one we just addressed, but what do you think about as far as like what's realistic as far as like things people can live with versus maybe things that need to be addressed right away? I mean, you kind of mentioned some of that, but I know like one is like if at the end of the day there's like some really obvious like red spots on the foot or pressure points on the foot, things like that, maybe after like several days of breaking the liner in, that could be an instance where, yeah, maybe we do a stretch or something like that. Um, I mean, I think it's a little bit different for, for everybody. There's no magic answer, but I mean, ultimately like the big thing for me is I'm like, look, go skiing, stop thinking about your boots, go skiing. And if you can't ski how you want to ski because you're distracted or you're in pain or like, you know, discomfort, you know, uncomfortable to the point where like you're distracted, then come and have it addressed. If once you kind of get into the rhythm and you start skiing, you forget about whatever is bothering you, even if it comes back, even if every time you get on the lift, you're like, oh, that does bother me or, oh, that, that, you know, I'm feeling this in the lift line. If you forget about it once you're on the snow and you're actually the skis on the snow, you're actually going downhill, keep skiing. And as soon as that becomes a, oh, while I'm skiing down, this hurts or while I'm skiing down, this is going numb or this is bothering me, then go in, like then get that addressed. But anything short of that, like boots have to break in, right? Like we can only do so much in the store. There's a lot we could do. There's a lot we do to, you know, accelerate that process and create space or, 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 uh, you know, tighten things up. But, um, ultimately like we just kind of tell people in the shop too, it's like, we're not trying to, we're not trying to fit you in a boot that works for today. We're trying to fit you in a boot that works for the next season, two seasons, three seasons, whatever. Right. And so that means that like, this boot is not going to feel the best today. This boot is going to feel the best halfway between now when you get a new boot, right? Like, <laughs> um, or would before you, you know, right before you decide that you, you know, it's time to get a liner. We always like joke that you have like, you have like peak boot, right? <laughs> like yeah. everything, everything's perfect. The intuitions are finally broken in. And then you're like a month later, you're like, man, Damn it. I think, I think, I think they're clapped. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a great point. And, uh, you know, you might actually reg regret like if something's bothering you day one and you have your boot fitter make, you know, this big elaborate stretch on your boot, you can end up regretting that because guess what? Once that boot breaks in and you find out, oh, you actually have too much space, uh, you may have actually made the problem worse because now you're like banging around in a pocket that didn't need to be there because all you really needed to do was spend more time in the boot. Yeah. Like if we're, for me, like this is, this is just how I choose to fit, but like, I don't really punch boots. Uh, I don't really punch boots unless you've got a custom insole and you have a day on snow. In my opinion, like with very few exceptions, uh, like if you're punching before you've gotten on snow or you're punching before the liner's broken in, probably in the wrong boot, right? Like there's exceptions. Like I had, I had, I had the nightmare scenario last year, not like the nightmare, but just like, you know, he was straight up with me about how much of a project it was going to be. And we were several punches and grinds after a heat bolt before he even got on the stove. Like, you know, that's the exception, not the rule, right? Like that's most of the time it's like, 
we might need a punch here, but this is the best boot, fitting boot for you. We added some foam, we molded the liner, everything looks good. And you go have ski or whatever, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah, go ski, come back, tell me if you need me to punch this. Like, you know, let's see, let's see how bad it is. And like, a lot of times that's like, I don't see them for two weeks. And then they come in and they're like, oh yeah, it was pretty bad the first day, but like by the third day it was fine. I don't need anything done. Okay, well, I think for this one, we're going to zoom out a little bit and kind of think full picture or big picture as far as how things work together. Um, so let's just say like someone got a new boot. They've had a boot, an old trusty boot that worked really well for them for a long time. They go about getting a custom fit boot. It's a new boot. You know, um, maybe everything's right as far as like the insole and it is like potentially the right boot for them. But now things feel really different as far as their experience on snow. Um, so when they put the whole equation together, as far as boots, skis, bindings, there's just like something that's not adding up. So how would you kind of see that problem? And what are some of the variables that people should be thinking about besides just boots when it comes to that um, whole equation? Big answer. Big question. <laughs> um, different. I mean, obviously like different boots are going to, are going to ski different, right? Um, you have different you have different plastics, you have different architectures, you have different mechanics at work, right? Uh, a Technica with a T-Drive is going to ski very different than a, uh, than a Dalbello Cabrio LV, right? Those are different tools for different, different purposes. And all things being equal, right? Like if both boots work for your foot and work for the way you move and everything else, um, you have different mechanics at work. The boots are going to flex different, um, which means they interact with your skis differently um and they have different materials which means they're just gonna feel different right rigid running shoe versus big cushy running shoe like it's gonna feel different but that stuff aside because ultimately like you're probably gonna choose your you're gonna choose your boot uh your foot's gonna choose your boot right like your boot's gonna tell you which boot you need to get um it's very few people that get to choose between two boots because they both fit with that like once you've kind of got in your boot like you can't expect everything to feel exactly the same um, in if you just change the boot and everything else stays the same and all other things kind of aside material and architecture of the boot and all that you also just have different uh like different geometry right like you have different angles at work in there uh boots have different ramp angles uh within the boot itself and that can be you know where's the boot position where's the foot positioned versus the boot board but that can also be different versus say like the pin inserts if you're on a if you're on a, a touring binding right like you might feel it like you're at one angle like standing on the floor but then you actually clip into your you know, pin binding like that angle is super different right like where are those placed so you have like the ramp in a boot you've got the forward lean in the boot and you've also got like your ramp on your binding as well and then you have your mount point on your skis where do you mount in relation to center and then you have like, where's the center of the side cut of your skis, right? And you're taking all of that. Um, and that's a lot of angles that you're playing with. And then you're introducing like your different, you know, your different anatomy into that. And then you're kind of crunching all that together to see like, where do you put power into the ski? Um, where's your weight positioned? Where's your center of mass positioned? Like, where's your force when you drive, when you drive this boot, where does the force go? So like, it's important to just like understand and expect that like different boots will ski differently. If you are curious about like how different boots might vary, like that's something 
you know, for sure, like chat with the bootfitters about that. Um, like I talk to customers about that all the time. It's just like always important to be like fit first, right? We're not going to buy a boot for function. Um, we're going to buy a boot for fit. That said, like if you tell a bootfitter what kind of boots you've liked in the past, or if you've had a boot that fit, but you didn't like how it skied, that's super helpful information for a bootfitter to know, right? But the other part of that is that, you know, be aware that sometimes the binding selection or the ski selection uh, can really, really inform that. You can kind of get into the weeds on the mount point too, if you're changing, but most of the time, like mount where the, rec- you know, where the manufacturer recommends. And like, so like at moment, for example, like we only carry bindings that have very flat ramp angles. Um, and that's part of the reason is that's preference, but that's preference because most of our skis have very progressive mount points. They mount closer to center than a more traditional uh, ski. And even our, like even our flatter tailed skis, right? Like our new commanders um, have a minus 10 mount, but that's still farther forward than, you know, a lot of directional skis in that class are like minus 12 and a half. But that's why like we typically prefer flatter, flatter bindings. That's why we sell look pivots. That's why we sell uh, Solomon or atomic strives. That's why we sell the STH is because all of those bindings have very flat angles. And we've found that with skis, with our skis that have more progressive mounts, um, where we choose to place the side cut in relation to that recommended mount point, flatter bindings uh, work better there. And that's because we like flatter bindings. So we design skis that way, right? Like, um, but understanding that not all is equal there, um, can really make a big difference. And we typically see that that makes a bigger difference. Like on the touring side of things, right? People will be like, Oh, I love my, you know, whatever ski they're on. And then they, you know, they have their, their ski they like, and they have their, let's say like they're in like a Lang, a Lang RX. They love that boot. And then they go get the same ski, but like in the tour build, or even they just put a touring binding on their ski and they throw, say like a rotation on their Dinafit rotation and they go grab Lang's, um, you know, one of Lang, uh, the XT tour prop, right. And they put that on there and all of a sudden skiing down, it feels like they're on tiptoes and like on paper, we've changed very little, right. We're in the same mount point, like same mount position, the boots you know, like it should be pretty close, right? We've changed the binding, but you've got a lot of different geometry going on, right? Like the Dean, if it's got a totally different, you know, uh, stance angle than like the pivot they might've been on. And even though those, t- those boots are both langs, like they don't have exactly the same angles as far as like what the ramp angle of the internal of the boot is. They don't have exactly the same forward lean angle. And ultimately like you can't really look up all of this information, uh, which is why you have to like work with a fitter and go stand on stuff. But the one that is pretty easy to control or at least be aware of is, uh, is the binding. That one's, that one's pretty easy to be like, Oh, like what's, you know, what's the ramp on the binding? Um, unfortunately, like most manufacturers don't post it like on the box, but usually someone in a shop will know, or you can get on, get on blisters, Alpine guide. Um, I still use, I still use that all the time. Um, or like on the moment site, like we have most of them listed, but like, that's a really valuable tool to be like, oh, I'm used to just, and it's like, there's no right answer, right? It's just like, know what you're used to. It's like, oh, you're used to a really rearward mounted ski with a binding that has a lot of ramp. And you typically like have always skied in race boots. You probably love forward lean, like across the board in all of it, heel lift and forward. Like, so if you like, 
jump out of that and get into a super upright boot with a super flat binding and a really progressive mount, you're going to feel all out of sorts, right? So, so it's not even like picking what's best so much as like knowing what you're coming from and knowing that like, that's going to inform what your preferences are. And like the same is true for skis. Like it's like when someone comes in and asks for skis, I always ask like, well, what do you ski on now? And it's like, if you spend all of your time on a mantra um, and you have a, you know, an M6 and a 102, I'm not going to like be like, oh yeah, you should get a wildcat. Like first thing out the gate, right? Because like, you're going to get on that ski and you're going to feel like you're in the wrong place uh, without like an explanation. You'll probably size it wrong because like that's good. It's totally different. You know, 174 wildcat's going to ski way shorter than a 170, you know, mantra. Um, so it's just like knowing where you're coming from and having a, a rudimentary understanding of that. So, you know, like what it is you're looking for, at least where your preferences are. It's like a long answer, but <laughs> no, it deserves a long answer. It's quite the question and uh, just a really important one for people to think about. Um, you know, we talked a lot about boot and boot angles and how this transfers to your anatomy and biomechanics. And then we kind of broaden that by now thinking about all these different angles and how they're working together. So I guess like boot fitting really is a lot of geometry at times um, for better or worse. Um, but that there is a larger equation than just like the boot skier interface, especially when it comes to bindings. And if there seems to be just some sort of like red flag outlier as far as what's going on, maybe it is time to like look at the the binding and ski and how these things are all coming together. Um, there might be something there that's like totally easy to fix, like resolvable, just like by getting on a different binding or, you know, kind of thinking about the how it's all coming together and maybe why that's affecting your experience out there. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks for that faucet. And um, I guess just to kind of bring it all together today, um, you know, we've debunked a lot of myths. We've definitely like talked through a lot, but as people are starting to get ready for the season and maybe they're venturing out to shop for a new pair of boots or they maybe have a boot that's decent, but not quite ideal. Um, what are some of the things that you would put out there as far as what they should expect? Also, when they show up to a shop, like how can they um, sort of be helpful and collaborative in the process of finding the right boot with a good boot fitter? Uh, it's like a really good question because um, a lot of people like a lot of people try and do their homework or do their homework, I guess I should say, um, when they come in and um a lot of times that works against them. Sometimes it's helpful, but most of the time it works against them. Um, so like, ultimately it's like, I don't really care what you read in what magazine test or gear guide or whatever. Like I understand that you like these features or like what this reviewer had to say about this boot or whatever. Right. If it doesn't fit you, it doesn't matter to me. Um, I'm not going to tell you to get that boot. Um, so more important than like, kind of like reading about a bunch of boots or kind of like doing research at home is have a good understanding for how you want to use the boot. Um, like what's your use case? Um, and what are you looking for out of this boot that you don't have in the boot you have now? Right? So if I have someone that comes in and they're like, I have a, I have a kick-ass resort boot. I want a crossover boot um, because I want to be able to tour as well. Um, and I, cause we do a lot of side country, but I'm also like got this big trip planned and we're going to go and try and like, you know, ski, we're going to go try and ski or near or whatever. Um, I'm looking for something to do at all, like helpful, but 
let's like walk it back and be like, well, do you want to, you know, that it's helpful if that customer has a better understanding of like, do you want a really capable backcountry boot? Or do you want a boot that you can ski in bounds every day and not really give up much performance? Cause those are different things. Like there is no, there is no one solution to everything. So like, I guess an example of someone that like maybe has a better idea of their use case is someone that comes in they're like, Hey, I have a really good resort boot. I'd like to be able to tour. I'm getting into touring. I'm not sure if I want a touring boot or if I want a crossover boot, but I'd like to be able to do some side country sometimes. Um, but I also just like kind of want to do this big, like ski trip, like later, like, what do you think? And sometimes the answers get the crossover boot. And sometimes the answer is like, you need two boots. Um, right. So just like knowing, yeah, like knowing, like knowing what you don't know, I guess. Um, so go in and be like, I am looking for something that does these three things or right now my boot does not ABC and I want something that does those things rather than going in and being like. I'm here because I want to try on the Mindbender and the Doberman. And you're like, those are two really different boots. Like, what? Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. confused. Um, yeah. Great points. And, you know, I think the biggest thing is just like having that conversation, like boot fitting, it, it all just starts from a conversation. And so knowing what your priorities are, um, you know, knowing what's worked well for you in the past and yeah, maybe just like having a good understanding of, um, you know, if there is going to be a compromise as far as like, if you're going for the hybrid or crossover boot versus just a pure touring boot, like kind of being able to rank some of those um, priorities, but then also, you know, your boot fitters here to also help kind of guide you on some of those questions. And um, yeah, I think it's great. And it's great to, you know, do your homework, but with boot fitting fit is everything. So until you're in shop with, you know, boots on your feet and working with a boot fitter, who's kind of looked at what's going on with your unique foot and everything else going on, um, it doesn't really matter. So try not to get too hung up on like a certain idea of a certain boot when maybe that's just not going to work for you. Yeah. And like, if you like your boots, know what boots you're in, like know what make model size. So we have a reference, uh, you know, bring them if you want. If you don't like them, it's fine. No, I don't really need to bring them. And like, make sure you bring your skis with you. That happens. I don't like that happens all the time. Like they get set and it's like, yeah, you gotta come back. Yeah. Skis. <laughs> good points sweet well is there anything else uh you know as people start looking for boots this season that you want to throw out there no i think that's i think that pretty much covers things um you know with uh as far as boots go i said i guess like just one last like kind of general piece of advice it's like you know it's that time of year so like skis and boots and bindings and everything like when you're picking stuff like generally i always tell people like don't pick based on where things perform the best Instead, pick things based on like where you're most willing to give up performance because it's what you notice more, right? If someone's used to a race boot and they are like all about carving and you put them into a boot that has tons of suspension but gives up some precision, they're going to notice that right away, right? Um, so it's just like kind of like know, know what you like um, and know what you like don't care as much for. Like me personally, like I'm totally fine to give up a couple milliseconds edge to edge on groomers in pursuit of like more suspension and more float. So like I'm going to skew towards boots that cater to that. And I'm going to skate score towards, uh, you know, bindings that are going to cater to that and skis that are going to do better in those conditions. And as like a, as a boot fitter, as like a salesperson for skiing, or as someone who just like answers questions on our website all the time, knowing that is like, really like the most valuable thing when you're shopping for new stuff. It's like, what have I got now? 
what do I not like? Where does it hold me back? And then like, where am I willing to give up performance in pursuit of something else? Right. Like that's just super helpful. Yep. Great questions and things that people can think about. I mean, sometimes we're just out there like skiing and enjoying the day, but if, uh, you know, you have like some gear decisions coming your way and you're just not quite sure, like these are some things you can kind of consider when you're out there making turns and, um, yeah, just sort of consider like what works best for you. And in the chance that you don't know, I mean, you can always ask questions. That's like what we're here for at Blister, especially if you're a Blister member. That's what FOSS is here for. You know, if you just want to go into Moment Factory store and have a chat with him as far as uh, what that next setup needs to be. Um, But hopefully some of what we've talked through today, like helps clarify some things for people. And yeah, we'll just keep uh, working in the pursuit of like debunking myths and just putting out good information about boot fitting and keeping people educated because if we're all like educated about boots then uh that probably means we're all having a better experience out there too yeah happy feet (laughs) we're a little happier on the snow and that makes everything better yep cool well thanks fossa it was great chatting again and glad you could uh come back on and spread the boot knowledge thanks for joining today yeah thanks for having me it's been great well folks there you have it And for this week's edition of Crashes and Close Calls, I am reflecting on a crash that I took a few years ago around this time. It was my first time riding the pretty well-known and also amazing trail called Dr. Park here in the Gunnison Valley. And it also happened to be my birthday. This trail has some pretty techie and gnarly sections, but of course I fell right before I even got to any of that. I was trying to clip in in a really exposed but also smooth part of the trail. Not very smart place to be messing with my clipless pedals and I lost my balance and plunged myself pretty far off the trail kind of head first both my bike and I and we fell about 15 feet down onto some rocks amazingly I was relatively unscathed except a bit of weirdness in my shoulder my bike however was not in great shape I completely tacoed my rim on my rear wheel Um, so after some debating on what our next step should be and whether or not I should hike out, my partner, Zach, decided to take the tire off the rim, bend the wheel back into some sort of round shape, or rather he was kind of just smacking it on some trees for a while. And then he made the decision to ride the next five miles of the epic descent on just the rim. Um, Because it was my birthday, I got to ride his bike. And all in all, it was an okay day and pretty cool to watch Zach rip the trail on a rear rim with no tire. It's amazing to see what can really be done, but the fall itself was scary and it could have been so much worse. So here's your reminder to not risk it and just sign up for Blister Plus insurance today. Um, When things go from fun to scary real quick, as they often can and do in these outdoor sports, you need to make sure that you have comprehensive outdoor related injury insurance via Blister Plus. This provides you $25,000 of coverage per incident with a $0 deductible for a huge range of outdoor activities. So check that out and don't wait before it's too late. Thanks so much to FASA for providing all of this insight and also helping me walk through some of these myths and misconceptions. If you would like to sit down with FASA this season for a boot fitting appointment, you can schedule that via the Moment Factory Store. Thanks, of course, to our multi-talented producer, Justin Bob, and thanks also to all of you for tuning in. Here's one last plug. Leave us a rating or review, and you get to see the Blister team on snowboards this season. All right. Thanks, everybody. Cheers.